Thought Creators, the podcast for financial experts, brought to you by FAB. Welcome to Thought Creators, the show which examines the issues impacting the world of finance and looks at them through a very human lens. Brought to you by one of the leading banks in the region, First Abu Dhabi Bank. My guest today is a man who makes dreams come true, Suresh Lalwani, who is head of coverage with First Abu Dhabi Bank, FAB. Suresh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott. Now, at the top of the show, um, we like to have a quick look at the headlines. Um, and I'm going to stay in your area of expertise because I saw a headline the other day which really caught my eye. Um, and that was on WAMDA, which said that in the UEE, in October alone, there were $460 million worth of funding raised by startups. Um, and that means that the UEE is now leading the region. Does that gel with the activity that you're seeing in the market? It really gels well with what we actually see on ground uh, happening. You know, uh, on ground, we see a lot of business activity. Mm -hmm. uh, when we talk to our clients, they tell us that they've got lots of projects on hand. They have their order books are full. Yeah. And they're really enjoying the, the sort of uh, the growth that the overall economy is enjoying. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a lot of action on the tech side thanks to the push that COVID uh, has given, you know, to the digital initiatives and the digital sort of transformation uh, in, in all companies, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a, it's a retail outlet or a wholesale outlet or a distribution setup or a services setup, every company has got a push to go digital. Right. And, and you're really seeing driving. that spirit of innovation in almost every sector, are you? Absolutely, absolutely. Somebody who was sort of running a mom and pop show, uh, store or somebody who was running, let's say, a, a warehouse distribution is also thinking that how can I go digital, yeah. right? Because because that's what people want, right? Yeah. Ease of ease of transferring goods, ease of transferring money. So that is that is actually what is driving, uh, you know, the, the the overall sort of growth in the in the, in the startup sector. What's really interesting to me, and I feel, and I'm a startup myself, is that when we look around the world and we look at inflation, we look at rising interest rates, we look at the cost of doing business, we look around the world. You know, maybe the the forecast for startups doesn't look so good. You know, trading difficult. Yeah, you know, trading conditions are going to be a bit difficult. Here in the UAE, it feels like we're going to fare a little better. Why is that? You think? And particularly, UAE and Saudi are two, are two countries in the GCC which are experiencing great uh, sort of uh, growth. Uh, you know, a, a massive increase in the GDP. Right. And uh, that's because, you know, of course, oil has a big role to play here. Yeah. But then even the governments are, are investing a lot back in the country, which includes, let's say, infrastructure, infrastructure related projects, projects in the oil and gas. Now, all those big projects, you know, they trickle down, they trickle down and, and right to the level of SMEs, you know, who are, uh, you know, looking up, uh, you know, to do jobs in the country. So if you talk to anybody in the SME sector, right, they're all. So, for example, you know, you'll, it'll be, it is amazing to see how. An oil and gas sector, pro, you know, project is related to an events company because mm -hmm. any new product launch, it may be, let's say, quite high tech or maybe to do with oil. But an events launch results into an events company enjoying some sort of, uh, you know, turnover for, or, or revenue, you know, of that share. So it works, you know, SMEs, the, the, the whole project values, you know, and it, it trickled down to the lowest level. And that's why you see a lot of activity happening in the country uh, you know, so so this this is where we see a lot of positivity coming in. From you know, when you talk to investors, I mean, if I look at the UK and what happened in sort of recent months, we saw lots of investor investment kind of flood out of the UK when they thought there was lots of 
instability on the horizon, particularly with the budgets. Whereas we look to the UEE, stability is almost woven into the DNA of the business landscape here. You know, we've got crime is is something that we literally don't think about. If you're a family man, if you're an investor, you know, bringing your children into the country, um, you know, I think Abu Dhabi was voted the safest city two years running. How important to investors is that stability? You know, granted now that an entrepreneur can even qualify for a 10-year golden visa. Well, that's a big thing for an entrepreneur. And what we saw, you know, uh, families, business owners, in, in let's say Indian subcontinent or or maybe maybe Europe, you know they're coming up with their business ideas and their business models into this country because of, you know of course uh, the stability and the, and the security that the country gives to the business owners, they have uh, uh, you know the business ideas are being well received over here because you know it's a very cosmopolitan place. Yeah. Uh, the golden visa is a big thing because that gives you you know you think you think long, so once you're sure that you're going to be staying in this country and the government recognizes that. Right, you can buy your property. You can invest in commercial real estate. Yep. All this is driving, uh, uh, you know, business and growth uh, all across. So if you look at it, it is not just the residential market that is gaining, you know, with with the investors coming in. It's even yeah. the commercial hubs and the commercial districts like Jabal Ali, like Kizad, like uh, 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 Musaffa, mm-hmm. ICAD, right? All these all these districts are seeing an influx of businesses coming into the country and these are not okay tech is of course tech is coming in but even the the more brick and mortar kind of businesses for example commercial logistics right somebody to handle logistics uh, between uh, uh, between the port and let's say hopefully whenever we have you know soon we will have etihad rail also coming in yes right so so there you need logistics companies so there is uh, an increase in the companies you know setting up warehouses in abu dhabi so we see all these increases and 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 uh, you know growth in the economy, and we're happy to say that you know we are partnering with all these businesses and and many of them we've been funding also. So it's great. I'm interested, uh, you know, almost like you know as a as a storyteller, I always like to ask the question why. Um, and we saw just recently again in the <coughs> headlines the UE government talk about their entrepreneurial nation 2.0 program, where they're trying to foster and create. 8,000 more SMEs by 2030. Why strategically is it so important to the UEE to foster this dynamic climate of entrepreneurship? See, entrepreneurship is great, right? I mean, and and if you see all across, the entrepreneurial spirit in this country has been great. And now with the push of, you know, from the government, it is going to see different heights. See, entrepreneurship drives economy. Mm-hmm. It brings in a business, let's say, you know, you know, hires, let's say, 20, 30, 50 people. There are 50 households being, you know, living and, and, and sort of uh, living in a society. So they need everything. They need a house. They need offices. They need buses. They need schools. They need hospitals. They need restaurants. They need supermarkets to shop at. So if you if you nurture entrepreneurship, automatically your entire society, your community and your country grows. So this is like uh, this is like the starting point. Yes, it is not easy, right? It needs a lot of support. It needs a lot of push right from the top, but uh, it is possible, and uh, it it'll take a little while. But this, yes, of course, you know we will get there, and we should get there. So that's the macro um, why. Um, down to the micro why, and uh, and basically to people like me who are starting their own businesses. Why do you think? Because it feels like entrepreneurships 
never been more attractive. It's a really sort of golden age, particularly here in the UAE for entrepreneurship. Why do you think there are so many people right now wanting to kind of leap off that cliff and take a chance on themselves? And when we look at it, you know, it's from the the twenty somethings who are, got that tech idea to people that look like me that have worked for people for other people for decades who suddenly went, you know, life's a bit too short. Uh, let's do our own thing. But what do you think is driving that confidence for people to kind of bet on themselves a bit? Uh, what drives confidence in people is, of course, you know, uh, they've got great ideas. But when when a businessman sees that that this is a place where I can actually bring in my idea and mm-hmm. convert that dream into a reality, right? When they see that comfort in the country, when they see that uh, sort of the entire ecosystem helping or working towards sort of helping and supporting this business person. Right. That's where you see confidence and that's where you see people, you know, doing more and more in terms of business, you know, coming from other countries and setting up uh, uh, outlets and shops over here. Now, again, if you look at uh, if you look at UAE, you know, we are 10 million people. Right. But we have direct access to Saudi. Mm-hmm. We have direct access to other GCC countries. We're very close to Africa, not very far from Europe. Coming in and out of UAE is very easy. We've got the best airline in the world. So, so all this is sort of helping the business owners to sort of come in and, and set up shops here. If you look at our geography, we are right in the middle of east and west, mm-hmm. right? So ships can come here very comfortably. If you look at our ports, our ports are fantastic, whether it is Kizad or Jebel Ali, right? Uh, there are other countries who are more strategically better located on the map, but because our infrastructure is great, Right. People prefer to come and set up, let's say, manufacturing outlets and uh, trading hubs in UAE rather than going to any other country. Because a ship, if you see, you know, when, it, when a ship sails from, let's say, China or, or India, it sort of comes into the into into, you know, you it, in order to come into UAE and Jebel Ali or Kizad, it mm-hmm. has to take a two. You know, it takes additional two days more you know, for the ship to come inside. However, the the infra infra into the country is so fantastic you know, you, where do you get a, a port, let's say Jabal Ali port or Kizad port, which is so close to the airport? Mm-hmm. You can literally bring in goods and in few hours you can ship it out, you know, via an aircraft out of this country. It does not happen in any, any part of the world because, because, you know, the government has really taken care of their infrastructure so well yeah. that, that it's, this is all leading to, to, you know, UAE becoming a great place to do business. You must have heard so many different, you know, stories, so many dreamers bringing their, you know, their ambitions to your door. Are there any common themes that have driven those people, you know, to again leap off the cliff. What's the kind of the secret sauce that you see? You know, what what are the qualities that you know inspire people to set out on that adventure? Because it's quite an adventure to launch your own business. It is, it is, it is definitely not easy, right? You have to have the passion, mm-hmm. you have to have the drive for your for your idea or product or whatever you know you may be thinking about. You know, just to give you an example, uh, you know, uh, during COVID, you know, I was part of this uh, this uh, incubator where, uh, you know, these were, this was a women-only incubator where yeah. these, you know, eight, ten uh, women, they got together and uh, they were, you know, thinking of setting up a business idea. Now, when, when the world was suffering from COVID, here you've got these eight different business people, you know, coming up with their ideas and wanting to launch at a time when the world is thinking of sort of, uh, you know, shutting down and closing off. For a startup, you know, sometimes it can seem quite daunting at the start of the process. <coughs> so you've got the dream. You've got the business plan 
potentially. Um, you've had the idea. Where do you get that money? You say we'll get the financing. Where do you get that money? And, and where do you fall on the whole kind of debate around debt versus equity? What, what's the right stages in that process for people to borrow or people to seek equity? What's your experience? Because obviously you've been, you know, uh, at the forefront of that for some time. Sure. So, Scott, what happens is, uh, you know, there are only two ways to, to get money. You can get money either by way of equity mm-hmm. or you can get money by way of debt, right? Uh, typically, uh, you know, what I've, what I've actually seen, uh, uh, you know, in life is that uh, people start off with friends, family or savings, mm-hmm. right? Their own savings. or Boot, they Bootstrapping. Yeah, bootstrapping. Yeah. They're really, really bootstrapped, uh, you know, keep it very tight and locked uh, for the first, you know, for the first few years of the company, right? Uh, once, let's say you've established and you have revenue coming in, right? Uh, you you stay within equity, right? Once you've got revenue coming in, then you know you start to sort of borrow money from the banks. Yeah, uh, take a little bit of debt because debt helps you to put turbo engines, you know, on your company. Your revenue shoots up because it's like your hundred dollars plus, let's say you borrow fifty from the bank. So it's $150, mm-hmm. right? On your business, you'd be making, let's say, a gross profit of about, say, 20%. Uh, you would pay the banks, whatever, 6 7 8%. But, but the money that you make, let's say, even from borrowed capital is, is far higher than what you would, uh, you know, do it from your own equity. So it's good to take a little bit of debt after you've established your company and after you've sort of established the revenue, you know, coming in, revenue kicking in, right, in the, mm-hmm. in the business. You... Think about selling off your company or maybe, maybe you know, maybe you, you take on equity when, when the company, when you realize that, yes, this company can really be scaled, the product yeah. can be scaled, you know, to much wider and much larger sort of scale. Uh, you do it after four or five years, right? Right. Because that'll, that'll give you the best value. It'll give you the best return for your for your uh, time and uh, efforts that you've put into the business. I'm making notes here uh, for, for my own personal. So stage one, um, look at, friends and family um look at maybe a little bit of equity get the business on the road important to get be generating revenue maybe even profits before you go to the bank is it get your business up and running yes see uh there there are different views right mm-hmm. you know i come up i come from a very very traditional sort of a typical uh, you know uh, credit fund, you know mentality yeah and uh, you know uh, typically banks like to see profit you know, company that is making uh, a, a profit, uh, you know, it may not be a net profit, it may be a cash generating profit, yeah. right? But at least it ha- it has to generate cash yeah. because otherwise it, it becomes a valuation game, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're you just looking at sort of flipping that company in, in some time, which is, you know, you know as, as a banker, I can tell you this is something not, uh, you know, something that, you know, sort of you don't endorse that. Well, I've seen that around the world as well. And I think it's interesting. I, it feels like we're moving to a new sort of phase because we've seen that phase where, you know, we talk about the hockey stick growth. We've seen that phase where it's all about, you know, get investors in, flood it with users, no matter how, you know, how you do it, and then flip it. Here it feels like we're beginning to look um, more at building sustainable businesses that can actually thrive in the long term. So you think, like, come come to the banks to, to as you say, pour jet fuel on that business plan when you're ready to kind of scale to the next level and then thus increase your valuation. And then, you know, if you're looking to exit, 
you know, sort of five to seven years. So don't look, get rich quick, yep. build something sustainable. Absolutely. It's got to I mean, I mean, you know, if you just Google the amount of failures that you see, mm. you know, startups uh, failing and yeah. large names, big names, right? Now, why does that happen? How does that happen? Because, because what I see is, you know, uh, what we've seen in the market is that, you know, like what you said, absolutely right, you know, that people are just sort of trying to fill in users and then you, you, you sell the company, you flip it, flip it over. That's something, you know, it's not sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody eventually will lose. Yeah. Period. Somebody yeah. will eventually lose. And, and what I have seen and, and as, as, a, as, a, as a lender, you know, for the last 20 odd years, you know, businesses that generate profit, they have a you know a, a sustainable you know product which sort of goes a long way you know where we're generating profits and and revenue those are the businesses in future when they are sort of selling off their shares and equity they get the best value yeah. and and they don't fail i mean businesses ideally should be forever well i mean we we uh, on the last edition of this podcast we talked to uh, Shargil, who's your chief sustainability officer and it, it feels like sustainability is kind of again in your dna you say it's tr- traditional but I think there's a lot of traditions or shall we say authenticity uh, and values that moving forward, particularly in the age of ESG, are almost like licensed to operate and are the, the, you know, the DNA of success, like looking for that long-term s- stability rather than that quick win. Absolutely, Scott. Scott, if you, if you, if you just you know, study it a little, little deeper and if you sort of look at it from a bird's eye view, mm. lending to these SMEs is sustainable finance okay it is sustainable finance because it is part of the overall because because that's how you 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 build and grow communities and societies right you've got sustainable businesses and that results into sustainable let's say income and and families and and everything right so so that is that is def- definitely part of our of our the way we do business and we definitely want to partner with more and more businesses that are sustainable profitable and well capitalized I mean, you talk about building societies, you talk about building communities. I mean, the Minister of Economy, I think it was only just in the last week, was quoted as saying that now 95% of operating businesses in the UE are SMEs. Um, And then I saw another headline, which was um, the Mohammed bin Rashid Fund had helped more than 1,200 SMEs secure, again, nearly $40 million worth of funding to get on the road over the last five years. Sometimes it feels like there's actually more support out there than perhaps entrepreneurs know there is, particularly from the government side of things. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of support that is available today from the government. Some of the funds you mentioned about, you know, one is uh, Mohammed bin Rashid Innovation Fund. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we've got lots of other government partners and initiatives under which we have partnered with them. And we're looking at businesses slightly differently. Right, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, there there could be an angle of of ESG into a business. There could be an angle, you know, of a business that is, uh, uh, you know, or or an industry that the government wants to support. For example, agri tech, mm-hmm. right? You know, getting our food, uh, you know, on on the on the plate should be should be, you know, the most important yeah. thing in the country, right? And that's what we are supporting in a big way. Yeah, along with the government uh, uh, funds and initiatives, water, right? Uh, solar, uh, these are the areas, you know, pharma, medical. So these are the areas where the government has got uh, special funding available for businesses, you know, which are into these areas because, you know, as a country, we we would we don't want to be 
So I'm very, it seems like we're mapping back to very human needs. You know, we've had lots of social uh, entrepreneurs and that sort of thing, but now we're looking at technology that really goes back to serving humanity. Absolutely. And and this is not just sort of, we're not just saying, we're actually giving money, if you have a great idea into any of these sectors, you will get finance. There is finance available, right? Which was not the case 10 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, unless you're not profitable and you don't have capital and you don't have, you know, you, you it was very difficult to get finance. But today, okay, that that's one area that, you know, where, where, where you talk about commercial finance, you know, you, you that's where the banks will finance you. But if you are one of these priority sectors, if your business is into one of these priority sectors, you can get financing even if you are not sort of profitable or, or if you're not, if your capital is sort of slightly weaker, you can still get financing under under these, uh, you know, sectors. You know, If you're working towards a kind of common goal of creating value and making a real impact in society. Absolutely. I love that. Well, that's, that's inspiring to start with. Um, I'm going to ask you a question which um, I mean I've faced in my you know in my entrepreneurial journey and I know that many entrepreneurs do um, is there such a thing we keep talking about finance is there such a thing as the wrong type of money you know sometimes we can be tempted to take either debt or investors that are not right for us yes so you know, uh, I'd like to talk about two two uh, mm. areas specifically into this. One is let's say wrong type of financing happens when let's say you borrow money, you know, for a short term, short period money, mm-hmm. which let's say for example you borrow today and you got to pay it in six months, but you actually invest that money in building a commercial real estate, which is let's say going to give you returns over 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 let's say seven or eight years. Now that's wrong wrong financing, mm-hmm. right? That's one area when you can sort of mismanage your your sort of uh, debt, uh, you know, yeah. financing. The other is uh, when you have equity partners, you know, who just give you cash, right? And and they are there sort of to to check on you on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis, and are just interested in in when are you going to make that revenue, or when are you going to be making your your profit, or when are you going to be making those number of users, right? So it comes back to those chasing that hockey stick dream again absolutely absolutely i have seen businesses where you know who are doing great we were financing them and then here comes let's say an investor in the business with a lot of cash because it was a great brand right yeah and in two years they open up so many outlets from 18 outlets they become 36 outlets and then after two years i met with them again and uh, they were busy shutting down outlets because because that was not that was not the right scale at which they should be operating right so 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 they really had to scale it down so that they are at their optimal scale of op, uh, you know operations so money again like i told you in the past uh, you know money is 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 well, you'll get money right okay. if your idea is great you will get money but you should you should know how and where to sort of spend that money and use it so don't get greedy <coughs> don't get greedy in effect and take a breath and make sure it's right for you and your values and your vision for your business. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, you did talk about you'd seen lots of businesses fail in the past. I, I mean, I'd read the common wisdom, which is around sort of nine out of 10 startups uh, fail, you know, fail at the first hurdle. Do you agree with that statistic from based on what you've seen? And also, how, what are the fundamental things that, you know, entrepreneurs can do to make sure that they're in the one in 10 who succeed rather than 90% who fall by the wayside? 
Uh, I think the number would be much better in in UAE. Okay. Right. It may not be nine out of ten. It may be you know whatever six or seven out of ten. I don't have the exact number, but I feel that uh, you know I see much more successful businesses in the country rather than the ones which are failing. Okay. Right. That's one. Second is uh, 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 the reason why you know those businesses are successful is of course uh, you know you you have to have the right passion, the right drive, and stuff. But your product has to be such that that the market is willing to pay for it. right that's very important right and 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 revenue brings in all that sort of validity right you you if if the market is willing to pay for your product and there is value in it right i don't think uh, you know failure will be there because because uh, you know if you're making revenue you will eventually make profit as well and once you make profit then why you know that's that's a success right so rash this is kind of unfair because i could keep picking your brains for hours on end um but times against it but i always ask our guests to make some sort of forward facing predictions about what's going you know what what what's down the road for us in terms of startups and smes i mean we've seen vat come in uh we've seen obviously the uh, bounce check laws change on the horizon we've got corporate tax coming um nobody ever really enjoys the word tax but we know it's one of life's life's two certainties what's that going to mean for SMEs moving forward is it something that we need to be apprehensive about or are there benefits to it scott i personally believe uh, governance and uh, you know these these changes you know that you just mentioned you know have got a great benefit like if i would just sort of, sort of tell you uh, uh, 10 years back there was no vat there was no aecb mm-hmm. there was no credit bureau there was no you know if you bounce a check you could be you could be in jail mm-hmm. right uh, and now there is corporate tax so these are these are four you know large big things that have happened in in the areas of business right uh if you talk to any business right uh you know when vat was coming in you know everyone was sort of very very you know jittery and and apprehensive in terms of uh, you know oh what's going to happen but vat is there and actually vat is helping us right in the same way I personally believe that corporate tax is going to be an enabler, right? Uh see, unpack we, that me unpack that for me a little more then. What's the benefit of corporate tax? Yeah. A country needs a good society, right? And society has to be built uh from from money. It 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 doesn't come for free, right? Mm-hmm. The, the security that we enjoy, yeah. right? The freedom that we enjoy over here. Yeah. It 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 has a price to be paid, right? And that price is paid by the government because the government works too hard. uh to sort of bring this uh, you know all this for us now now if we pay a, a, a certain amount of tax it is it is actually a good thing because you know uh, all the benefits that we enjoy you know are going to be sustainable mm-hmm. you know better roads and in addition to this if you see if you know that you're going to be taxed right there is reporting yeah right it brings in authenticity yeah. right for example when you know there is tax and everyone you know you you can chase your receivables better uh you know there is there is that transparency into your financials comes into play yeah right you can uh, uh, you know it will be easier for banks and lenders to to bring in finance available on the table uh it is easy to evaluate uh, it it encourages it will encourage open banking right because with let's say if i know how much tax you're paying right i can calculate backwards in terms of what's your revenue and what's your sales right and 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 that's the that's a true and genuine economy now a 9% corporate tax i mean if i can talk on behalf of of, of everybody if i'm allowed to 
uh, is not a very very big thing right yeah. many businesses are, are going to be you know going to be okay absolutely fine with this so you talked there about kind oh, of that open banking you talked about these taxes creating this environment um, you know, we've got the Etihad Credit Bureau there now as well. What do you see for the future of financing for SMEs moving forward? How, how we've seen it accelerate over the past ten years. It is much, much easier now to set up a business here in the yeah. UAE. What do you see looking forward over the next sort of short to medium term? So, what I see uh, in terms of uh, availability of finance, uh, you know, uh, with with these governance uh, pieces in play. Uh, you know, you you could you know it it'll be very it'll be easier to evaluate businesses, mm -hmm. and finance will be available in a much better way. So just to give you some examples, uh, you know, at uh, at at uh, you know uh, my bank, and if you see if I if I talk you know on behalf of let's say the banking industry per yeah. se, you you can see that uh, there are uh, finance available, uh, let's say in the form of uh, point of sale loans, uh, payment gateways. You know, uh, gone are those days when you know bank statements were being checked on a manual basis. Now there are bank statement readers. You know, we are using the OCR technology really well to sort of read the read the paper and do the analysis on an Excel really really fast. And there are, well, Excel is one example, but there are there are other other technologies that we can use, and uh, uh, you know that's that's great. Uh, we look at the VAT returns and uh, we are able to sort of define what the turnover of the company is and decide on a, on on the on the lending, right? Uh, there is trade finance available for businesses, which is your LCs, DRs, you know, invoice discounting, check discounting. There is commercial real estate available. There is supply chain available, right? And with with all these governance coming into play, these were the limits or these were the kind of funding were usually available in the past only for the large corporates. That has changed. Yeah. Right, and I and where I see it getting even better is that this will percolate down to even the micro and the smaller businesses, right? Not just the emerging corporates, but even the smaller businesses will be able to enjoy supply chain financing with all these, you know, because of these governance, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, initiatives coming into play. So it looks like you know in future we'll have uh, let's say all these, uh, you know, a computer will analyze all these sort of information. And lending could be available uh, uh, much easier, much faster, and, and, and in, a, in a much more efficient way. Is mentoring and advice almost as valuable as hard cash? It is. At, at uh, on many occasions, actually, more than cash, you know, giving the right advice and giving the right direction to to business owners works better than even cash because cash somebody will give, but the right advice, how to do something in a correct way. Is something uh, you know that business owners, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they, they really, really, really sort of struggle to get that. So, for example, advice on legal, legal, uh, you know, framework and yeah. documentation. How do you do that? When is it uh, that you should you could use bank finance without any kind of uh, you know high charges and high costs, right? What kind of finance to use? So, so the, we we do a lot of mentoring. We do a lot of at FAB. Uh, we have specific programs under which we sort of uh, spend time with our clients and engage with them and sort of uh, uh, mentor them and sort of you know give them our insights in terms of uh, how we see the world and and you know for example you know we did have we we did a session where we spoke about the interest rates the the, the ge geopolitics that is happening around the world and how is that impacting their businesses and and what sort of what sort of strategies they should adopt 
in order to sort of take advantage of the situation or sort of keep themselves protected. So again, uh, talking about that kind of mountain that we as startups have to climb, sometimes we're quite nervous to ask for help. But for example, and in my case, this was true, absolutely no savings whatsoever, but some you know project that we're super, super passionate about, should we not be afraid to actually come and talk to, I mean, give me the, the FAB example, talk to you guys about, okay, how am I, you know, I haven't got savings, but how am I going to get this on the road? Um, and when is the right time for me to borrow and how am I going to do that? Sure. So so what we do is, you know, we connected with a lot of incubators mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, government funds where, let's say, for example, if you don't have uh, enough uh, uh, equity to do business, sort of we'll connect you with the right people and, uh, you know, that'll, that'll sort of help you in sort of building that equity and uh, setting up your business. So you're there almost at the start of the process and then hold the hand all the way through as the company scales. And then that's when you're saying, right, now's the right time for you to access the debt to then supercharge your growth. Absolutely, absolutely. So initially, you know, the incubators uh, help you with the guidance, with, uh, with the knowledge. And uh, there, you know, you can even sort of mingle with, uh, with, with a lot of investors. We, for example, at, at FAB, you know, we participate in, in, in many fintech events, many uh, investor meets, where sort of we do connect our clients with investors uh, where, uh, you know, who could sort of bring in that seed capital that you need, or maybe series A or B, whatever that is required for you to grow, uh, you know, and have, have the capital uh, uh, in, in the right place. So that's possible. And once you've got the capital and you've taken the business to a certain level, that's when the bank gets involved in, in, in terms of financing you. Suresh, I could talk to you all day. Unfortunately, uh, it's mic drop moment. Inspiring and insightful comments today. So thank you very much. And if you've enjoyed today's show and you want to subscribe and hear more from the Thought Creators podcast, please hit subscribe. Please come back. We're on podcasts, all the, the available channels and on YouTube. Please follow us for more. And Suresh, once again, thank you for being with us on Thought Creators today. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Thought Creators, the podcast for financial experts, brought to you by FAB.